everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lose Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me this week is Stu Hardy and Derek Brissett. Uh, gentlemen, I want to start with a thank you and an apology. So let's start with a thank you. Uh, we want to thank Curry Hitchborn of uh, UBC for joining us last week. Already, it's like one of our, our top listened uh, podcasts, so it means that what he had to say really resonated with some of you guys. So we really appreciate you, her, uh, Curry, coming on the show. Um, and my apologies, actually, to one of my co-hosts, Mr. Stu. I am so sorry, buddy. Um, we were having such a good time with Curry, and then we got him to make his picks for the uh, the the games last week, which I'm pretty sure he went six and zero. Like I, I think Curry yeah. did. He actually messaged me after. He's like, "So what do I win?" <laughs> and then so I told him I buy him a pint the next time. Either I'm in BC or he's in Ontario. Um, but in all that fun, we forgot to mention your picks so Stu, i am sorry oversight on my half and then unfortunately mr derek had to work late 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 into editing this that episode and he also missed it so uh i i am so sorry we love and appreciate you we are sorry that we we missed let's 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 be real people only wanted the toonies picks yeah that's none of yeah that's that's not true by the way i feel sad i feel like because i honestly i just forgot to put it in um that's what really would happen. But um, like I feel bad because there's kind of the amazing thing is like how like because Stu, you said it like picked all the way teams. Yeah. I remember I, I did see the video that you did record and send me that I just neglected to put in the podcast. Um, but so the Toonie picked all the way teams, which I thought was amazing because that just meant you flipped tails six times in a row, which yeah, I thought that was, was impressive. That's, and I'm like statistically oh. an amazing anomaly. Yeah, yes. exactly. And I'm like, oh, Stu will never do something that cool again. So I'm like, I'm gonna feel bad that it didn't actually make the final cut of the episode. It is what it is. But it uh, is yeah, what but, yeah. Is. but that's for the, the record. Beat. If anyone is wondering, so the Toonie picked all the way teams, so you can make that of what you will. And uh, Stu went over six. So well, whatever. Oh, shut up! I got at least I got LA right. Definitely got them right. Woo! Wow, good for you, buddy. Right. Speaking uh, of speaking of games that happened this last weekend, shall we? Um, God, I rip the bandaid off. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into it because we've got we honestly have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. So let's get into this rugby match. The arrows, probably, and I and I'm sure it's it's debatable, but I think this is probably their ugliest loss of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, losing forty-seven to twenty-one to uh, the Gil um, if you look at the stats, courtesy of the MLR app, the the Gilgronies had over 300 more meters in carrying uh, line breaks. They only had two more, six to four. Uh, they had to kick less. Um, they won more lineouts. They had more possession. They had more territory. And the real kicker is they only had two more tries, but um the arrows didn't make a single conversion according to the mlr um app so uh, that that might be wrong they had four more tries Dan. <laughs> i don't know what you're well it says five to three on the app so i'm just going off of what that it, says. it so, doesn't count seven points yeah, it doesn't tries. oh point try. all right <laughs> yeah. which they scored a lot of okay yes. well there you go yeah so um that Dan's is like that, Dan's that, Dan's that, like that, i turned no. the game off in the second half so i didn't oh. I honestly, I honestly did. Yeah. I, I, I missed, uh, I missed probably the last 
Did you miss? Minutes. Did you miss Larome White's the highlight reel? Yes, I did actually. You did. Oh my goodness, man! So, guys, uh, I don't think we can really talk about this game fairly because it just was. It was a tough game. It looked like Toronto was exhausted. Like they looked, yeah, tired. Yeah. Um, and that's hard coming against an awesome team that is injured, banged up. You know, they've got key pieces like Will McGee not in the lineup. Um, we know what's going on. Like Osberg's been hurt. Like their 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 lock situation has been kind of a mess all year. Um, what worked well for the arrows? Was there anything really that that we can look back and go, okay, well that went pretty well? Uh, Mitch Richardson's try. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't care what the score line is. Anytime someone gets their first pro try, that is cool. Yeah. Um, like, man, I've always been – I've been, like, really high on Mitch Richardson. I thought, like, between the 2019-2020 season, what he was doing in, like, training and, you know, the work he put in in the offseason, I thought he could have been poised to be, like, a breakout player during that year. Obviously, you know, COVID kind of shut down that season. And then, you know, you kind of look at Richardson and it's like, I think he's a really good player that happens to play, like, some of the – deepest positions that the arrows have so it's like you can play center you can play wing and it's like you got lasage you got jones you got the trois mixed in at center sometimes um, barfray sometimes barfray yeah. then you got like you know montero mirez Levis, right like all, like all those guys on the wing so it's like uh johnny sheridan too getting out on the wing so nice to see him back as well mm-hmm. um so i mean like yeah like that's for that reason, like it's it's nice to see those guys, or it's nice to see anybody get their first pro try. So that was really cool. Also, other positive thing, um, dude, Thomas Della Vega is a monster, and even even in a game where the Toronto Arrows lose by, you know, twenty six points or like it's he's he was still he was still just an absolute madman on the field, and um, you know, he was getting breakdown steals, he was creating other turnovers. Um, you know, creating some slow ball for for Austin. Um, you know, went and get it's still like the main guy to go to in the line out. Um, he 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 did everything he could, man. It was uh, you know, he 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 played outstanding. I thought. Um, yeah. So th- those I think are the two big positive things. Um, Stu, I'll let you, I'll I'll uh, let Stu go if he's got anything positive to add, and then I'll uh, circle back. We can start talking about some of the the contributing factors to this loss. Uh, I I think you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to positives um, because I I didn't see the game live and I think I'm the better for not seeing it live. The thing that I would have said if I was get like, it. you have an important job. Ooh. No, well, anyway, um, the point is that I would say that if I was new to this sport and new to MLR and, you know, this season was the only season I'd had experience of seeing the Arrows play, I would say the Arrows aren't strong enough compared to other teams in the East. But the reality is no team in this league or possibly even in this sport is strong enough to do what the Arrows have done. They currently have been in a foreign country for so long, they could have done an entire Rugby World Cup campaign twice. They are away from their friends and family and the mental stability that the other teams have. I mean, just look at San Diego. As soon as they were in within driving distance of their homes, they put in like 
huge performances against um, both Nola and Houston. And obviously, you can say, well, it's Houston, but obviously, but Nola have, you know, put Atlanta to the sword. They've um, put in like great performances against other teams. And the thing is, is that because of the situation Canada is in for the time being, it is a case of no professional team is able to do cross-border play. The Arrows and the uh, Blue Jays come to mind. Um, Toronto, if FC. You look, Toronto FC. The Raptors. The, Caps, the Montreal, yeah. uh, Montreal it's, FC? They're not the Impact team. They're just Montreal FC. They're, uh, Mon- no, they're Montreal Club de Foot. That's what yeah. it is now. Seriously, Club de Foot. All right. Which club it, I've, foot, never, whatever. I've never heard that phrase it, before ever, but yeah, terrible name. But the whole sense of to go to a foreign country, to be away from friends and family. And it has me thinking that those guys that are going off to the UK for the Canada games, once that tour is over, fly just fly the plane back to Buffalo, get a coach and drive them into Toronto at that point. Because, you know, they can't mentally be there for these final few games they well they haven't mentally been there for the past couple of games at least i think like these um mistakes that are creeping in such as um getting that the lerone white intercept i don't think would have happened if you had the team have previously been in toronto over the previous week and I know that there's the difficulties of always like, oh yeah, we fly to Toronto and then we fly out and then we fly back and out and so on and so forth. But you at least go back to the stability of, you know, being with your partner or being with your parents or being with your friends. Yeah, like and, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. like you look at like Toronto FC or or the Blue Jays especially, they can afford to uproot their family for a period of time and have them live down mm-hmm. in Buffalo. Yeah. They they can financially manage that. They're multimillionaires. They can just say, yeah, okay, let's buy a condo in, in Buffalo. You Jays, guys fly down. The Jays also have, like, more than one facility, too, right? Like, they're playing at their spring yeah. facility in Dunedin. Then they move up to the AAA facility yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, I think they're permanently at but Buffalo it's also, like, now. If you're the Blue Jays, too, like, when you show up to work, you get to see, like, Blue Jay logos and stuff, like, on the walls or whatever, right? Like yeah, You know that the Arrows know that they're not in their home. Like, this yeah, isn't their home. Yeah. And, like, and, and they like, can't go home with their families. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a hotel the Still, Jays, like, like the Jays, are playing games in Buffalo, where like I mean, it's Buffalo. It's close. It's obviously there's a border in between, but like the Jays are playing games in Buffalo. You look at the crowd in Buffalo; it's all Jays stuff. Yeah, right. And when it's like the arrows if, do. If have the that. arrows have a home no, game, nobody at this game. Yeah, if, if the arrows have, even have a home game, they can't even have their fans there because it's just financially to bring fans in. It's a lot. It's just, yeah. It's just way too much financially to have yeah. to, to work for the team, and it that is such a heartbreaking financial decision the team has to make. Yeah, because I was actually watching the video from when we were interviewing Bill Webb last year, and he said that the plan was to have double headers. Now, obviously, uh, this weekend is a double header, so there will be fans there, but they're they're rugby ATL fans yeah. more than that. There's, or I know that I know that, like the American. I, I brought American up rugby uh, pod have said that they want to stop by and uh, watch any games, but realistically. I I brought up the Blue Jays because it just shows you, and I'm I'm agreeing with Stu, it just shows you 
how tough this whole experience has been. And, and again, I brought it up in the preseason about why I didn't think the, 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 the arrows were going to be first overall. And I, you know, we talked about it after uh, that, that fire and ice cup, how Lucas Rumball and Chris Silverthorne mentioned how tough this season has been. Their whole experience right now in this season of MLR has just been brutal and it's not MLR's fault. It's not, you know, it's, it's just the fact that, the conditions that they've had been put in, it's going to financially or not financially, um, emotionally and mentally have a toll on them. And we're seeing it on the pitch. Yeah. Like brain farts all over the pitch. I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's like when you do look at this, like, I mean, I think before the season, yeah, we were talking about them being in the playoffs and stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's disappointing that it hasn't worked out that way, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day too, like I'm just kind of happy they're, they're playing like, for sure you had to do a lot just to get them to play and now it's like yeah you're you're essentially all but mathematically eliminated yeah. um yeah it, it takes one more it, one more loss and a couple yeah. more wins from somebody yeah. else um, that, that's like, the problem it, it's out of the control that this we talk yeah do we talk Let, about the actual game though yeah let's talk about the actual yeah. game so what we know, we, the we know the situation stuff. yeah I, I will say uh, something that worked well for me is I liked what I saw from Andrew Quatron coming off the bench. Um, not so much with his lineout throws, but I liked the aggressiveness he brought onto the pitch. I think Andrew's kind of had an up and down year. He's been hurt. Uh, Jack McRogers has kind of been challenging for that starting spot. He's been in and out of that, that number two jersey. Uh, so for me to see him have another strong game coming off the bench – at the beginning of the and we'll we'll talk about it later. At the beginning of the year, I had Quadrant as my starting two, but right now it's really murky. Both him and, and Howard haven't been able to hold down this the, the two jersey for their respective teams. So that's gonna be really interesting. I'll tell you though, I think with this game, there's the one big stat that's just kind of like I guess shows the outcome of this game. Um turnovers. Austin had six, Toronto had thirteen. Um, which you know, double the amount is, is a lot. Um, you look back at, you know, some of those tries, Hugh Roach interception try, um, you know, yeah. Rome White, the famous, probably the most, probably going to be, you know, probably going to win try of the year. Um, we will, uh, we'll never get away from seeing that um, ever. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, there's a lot, yeah. There's just you know the dropped balls, the turnovers. Austin had a couple tries off counter attacks and stuff too. After their defense kind of held them, and uh, yeah, and that's 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 the big the biggest difference to me in the game was just the amount of turnovers, especially considering you know Roach's try, um, White's try is just just direct. You know, here's a bad pass that's picked off, and um, you know picked off, ran all the way back, turned into a bunch of memes and jokes after. But um, that's, I don't know. That was that, I feel like that was just kind of like, that was the big downfall to me in the game was just the amount of turnovers that the, that the arrows had. And, you know, Dan, I, you know, you kind of mentioned too, there's just some lack of execution in general throughout the game as well, but is what it is. Stu, how did you feel? Like what was, what was really glaring to you with this, with this game? I don't know. I think it may just be because I've been supporting the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, but I was disappointed, but not surprised mm. in the sense of um, obviously the Austin is 
light years from being the Austin they were in 2019. And, you know, it's, it's not even the same Austin, it's not even the same Gilgroni's team that Toronto played in 2020. You know, things have really come together with that outfit. And, you know, congratulations to them. And that's the thing, as in, we know the Arrows weren't good enough for this game, but Austin have come leaps and bounds. And you could argue that, oh, you know, if um, we didn't, if we hadn't passed at this point, Lerone White would just be another Austin player that we have to just remember every time we play them. Or <laughs> um, if we knew the rules of when a rock is formed or not, that last try for Austin wouldn't have happened. But obviously things like that, that gamemanship, that ability to know the rules of the game and capitalize when you can has you know, done loads of benefits. And you were right. They have been, you know, through injury hits of their own. And, you know, it may be a, a challenge for them to even qualify for the playoffs because obviously it's only two spots this year as opposed yeah. to the proposed three. Um but yeah, this is a this is a good Austin team. I know it's been great earlier this season, and if certain players were available, then I'm sure they would have been a great team on mm-hmm. Saturday. But yeah, it's just uh, it's a combination of factors beyond the Arrows' control that's got them in the position they are. It's not it's not just been the game against Austin. It's been. Uh, the inability to score those points against uh, New England that let, made them only leave with one point instead of four. It's been the penalty that then became the final try for Atlanta that prevented them from winning that game. And it's now, we are now in like the business end of the season. Two teams have already been eliminated from playoffs, both in the West. And because of these results, it's a case of that uh, the Arrows will have to win that, not only just win their game, but hope two other teams lose. And yeah. and that's the thing. It's like you could do everything right and you could still be eliminated by the end of Saturday. And I don't know. I think part of me, I don't know, maybe it's the Welsh pessimist in me, for example, but... <laughs> Part of me kind of just wants it to be over. It wants the elimination to happen so we can say, right, okay, we're out. Let's do something wild and wacky and we can have... Let's give guys opportunities. Yeah, that, yeah let's give um, Juan Cruz Gonzalez. Let's get him down and he can come in at a fly half. And well, we I mean, can... well, I'm, we're going to talk about him later. guys that are actually down in Atlanta. Get Kobe Faustin, maybe. You can get him in Yeah, let, let's talk about him later because I actually really am curious about that situation. I want to bring him up about something that we talk about later. So put a pin on that. And you know what? I, I have to give props to Austin because I think what they've done is not only have they brought in um, some good, strong American talent, you know, Ruben DeHaas for a short period of time, Bryce Campbell's back, Will McGee's back. They you know, brought him back last year. Christian Osberg has been a great kind of fit with this team when he has not been battling injuries. Cam Dobson. I think what they've done is they've brought in real professionals. You know, you think of Deshaves. Yeah. London Irish. Frank Halal, all black. Isaac Ross, all black. Kurt Morath 
is back in MLR. Um, they brought him in last year. Will McGee, experience overseas. Bryce Campbell, who, in my opinion, is going to, I think, should be wearing the C for the U.S. now that uh, Aj McGinty's hurt. So, you know, they, I think that they've they've added, they've added some good American talent, which, you know, has been the uh, kind of interesting debate with the Gill teams. teams. But I think those those leadership pieces that they've brought in, whether foreign or American, has really sh- helped the young guys. Like Dom Aquina was on fire in this game, but you know yeah. what? I remember him watching him play previously and going, "He's got all the talent talent in the world." It just seems like there's something missing, and maybe it was just hearing something from from one of these guys. You know, I think that they've really taken some strong steps and they still have some young guys on this roster that they can develop. If Frank Lyle says, I'm done. See you later. The big Wapa says, I'm done. See you later. They still have some young players that they can develop and bring in. You know, we don't really know what their academy program looks like, but I've been very happy with what I've seen all season from Austin. They've had some slip ups, but um, they, they were impressive. Yeah. And they're uh, definitely, you know, far cry from 0-16. Um, mm. I still like the herd better than Gilgronis or Elite. Elite was bad. You can't be, you know, Elite. No, I'm, a, I'm a herd. I'm a herd. I'm a. You can't be called Elite and go 0-16, right? So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um. So, but uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I agree. They're much better. Jeff Hassler said they were going to be much better when we had him on our podcast uh, a few months mm. back, and you know, he was right. Um, I think though, like, you know, looking the way, like the arrows got to close out the season, man, that's, you got to play in New York, free Jacks, Nola and old glory all still, that's not the order. That was just me looking at the standings and then we <laughs> have to play all four of them. Um, but I think we got Nola this weekend. Um, and then I can't remember what the, the remaining, the order of the remaining three, but you got to play all four of them. So, um, just, uh, go, ru- like go ruin someone's year. Yeah, play the spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Yeah, it's go not fun. Somebody's ear. It's like, yeah, you like. I mean, yeah, be the team. I think. I think they played the Free Jacks last. The Free yeah. Jacks need a win on the final week. Don't give it to them. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, go ruin something like that. Let's be the jerks. Oh. That's what you get to play for now. Yeah. Being jerk. Let's yeah. bunch of jerks, just like the Hurricanes. All right, guys. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, there were some other MLR games this weekend that didn't uh, destroy me inside. Um, DC versus Nola. This was a interesting game, and it seems like the wheels are starting to come off in DC as well. Yeah, yeah. DC. They they still got uh, an extra game. No, they still have they have more points, obviously, mm-hmm. but they because of the point differentials that are currently in place, they have an extra week mm-hmm. before being eliminated. And yeah, they need a pull their finger out and see these games out essentially because and you know what how much of a killer is it that that robertson's not returning oh that's he's going off to france i mean i mean that's... congratulations to him fantastic yeah, but, oh. i think you know I, that's that's good for the league though this i think you know in a way i guess but it's good to see like guys can use mlr i i would be, i'm fine with it for like guys like him you know a, yeah. you know an international player going it's it's a little it's a little tough pill to swallow when it's a, an American or a Canadian, it's like, oh, so happy for you, buddy. Mm. <laughs> Eric Howard, you know, we were kind of looking at it before game because he was a surprise addition. 
uh, to the lineup. Lots of guys were surprise additions to the lineup. <laughs> uh, I mean, good on good on Nola being able to like basically, I guess, not know who you're actually playing and then kind of come out and uh, you know string together a win despite barely touching the ball and uh, barely having any territory. Um, getting into a couple scraps and um, having three yellow cards, um, and you somehow won. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, good for them. Uh, and also, from a for, as a former Ospreys fan, it was great to see Hanno Dirksen. Yeah, Hanno killed so, it. That's that's Hanno's yeah. best game since he yeah. easily. Um, he's getting his scraps back. And- Rats looked all right. He looks. He's settling in nicely. Um, he's had a couple uh, and. and um, Gosh, someone shared the, the passage on Twitter, and it was just a just a really really smart play that Lockie had. And if it wasn't for that play, Nola might have turned the ball over. But he had a really smart play where he just kind of held the ball, kept the ball where he might have passed it, mm-hmm. and and just kind of drove forward and kept possession. And actually, made some good meters. And I think that's just kind of some of that smart play that we're seeing from him. Um, I really don't know where he sits in terms of Rugby Canada's plans. I think he's found house money. So he's on the team. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where. I feel like, I feel like all our analysis of the, uh, the best Canadian performances this week are just going to be like, he's on the team. He's on the team. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, just get get to this roster announcement. Speaking of which Michael Smith, Michael Smith on the team. He's on the team. Unfortunately lost his starting spot to, some guy named Chris Robshaw this yeah. week who mm-hmm. suffered. Ne- never heard of him. Yeah. Never heard of him. I don't know. That was that was that was that was a playoff game. That was so much fun to watch. Dude, oh man, yeah. that was oh, the man. finish. The finish. Yeah. Man, how many tries did uh, did Utah score when Fraser Hurst became the scrum half? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know? on the team. Yeah, yeah exactly. on the team. Fraser Hurst on the team too. I, I'm pretty sure um, heart medication is now a dollar in utah because they've given their fans like last minute oh, wins hey in the last two games you know what like that was uh that was one of the things that curry said last week it's like fans want like they want to watch guys getting stepped big hits tons of tries yeah you yeah. no one wants team. to see a gazillion scrums and yeah and, you know kicking if, if you if you're the person open. yeah if you're Open that rugby. person that Curry described, that's like, I just want huge hits, guys getting stepped, try after try. The Utah Warriors are your team. Yeah. And you know what? It's fun. It's the, the, whether the, they win. Honestly, like, I feel like the Warriors are that team where it's like, whether they win or they lose, you will be entertained. And there is, and that, that that's probably one of the best things you can be as a very player. similar to the, the, this current Toronto Blue Jays team. Yeah. Win or yeah. lose, win, the- lose, entertained, man. That, yeah. yeah, and that's that's the, honestly that's the best thing that you you can be, right? Like, yeah, if you're if you're trying to sell a product and you're trying to sell the game to get fans to come out, right? It's like you can't be banking on like, oh, the team has to win in order to be to to enjoy it, right? Mm. Get control if the team wins or not. Um, but like the way Utah plays, man. Like, it's fun. Like, I, I like it. You know, what I mean, it's. I don't know if you want to be giving up forty-one points a night, but hey, if you can score forty-five, then, I mean, by all means, I, like, I'll sit back and enjoy the show, because um, yeah, that was a ton of fun. Um, also, uh, Michael Smith is a monster, by the way. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. we're gonna get into him later, uh, Derek, because you can, you again, his stat line from this game, though. Go ahead, give it to me. Like, yeah. Okay. 
Michael Smith played 25 minutes. Um, he had 18 carry meters. He had 10 tackles um, and eight attacking ruck arrivals, seven defensive ruck arrivals, which – so his 10 tackles are like – they are – let me pull this up. So his 10 tackles are like – were fourth on the team. His made tackle percentage was the highest at 100%. And he also had the third most like opponent or like the third most like opposite defensive ruck arrivals yeah. on his team in 25 minutes. He matched what Rob Shaw did in like 55. Yeah, right. but you know what? He's got yeah. that young man energy. Oh no, man. Rob Shaw's just kind of riding the wave of the game. Yeah. Uh, Michael Smith is grabbing a certain San, San Diego. All I'm saying, San Diego, is you remember what your record is when you start Michael Smith. So, yeah, that was a loss, and he did not start. That Rooney ATL game was a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Loved it. Had a yeah. lot of fun in watching it. I loved what Quinn Nawadi did in that game. He's starting to show more and more when he's at center. Of He's a little bit stronger of a defensive presence than I th- thought he'd ever be. So I'm happy to see that. I still stand by. I think that center is his best position. Um, but it's nice to have the flexibility that he can cover the wings. No Matt Heaton again. I think Connor Keys played pretty well. I liked what I saw from Connor. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like he's a little bit faster this year, especially in his last couple of games that he's been playing. So I'm happy. Always see Connor Keys starting. I think he's going to have a prominent role this summer um, in those test matches in the UK. So that's great to see him having a start for rugby ATL. Yeah, I thought, uh, so again, I was working at the time, so I've only been able to see the highlights, but um, yeah, this was a impressive performance from New York. And if you want to talk about intercepts uh, leading to tries, uh, I think like the final one for New York was chef's kiss, so good. And um, but yeah, this was... Uh, so New York and ending uh, seven match winning streaks. Name a better duo. It's uh, they've done it with ATL. They've done it with LA. And are they now going to fall into a curse of them losing a game on the seventh? I don't know how. I don't know if they are currently on a winning streak or not. Well, at least one. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is. It's it's really interesting because I think like the rugby network tweeted out after the results of the game is that oh New York have now taken the top spot and I was like ATL is still on forty one points New York are on thirty nine it's I think is it the, is it that fact that they've got a game in hand do they have a they, they didn't ever like respond to explain it I think that may be their logic but yeah. I don't know and they're just on fire so much right now that they're just assuming that they're yeah. going to win their next game yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's really interesting because obviously this could be the, uh, conference final for the East at the yeah. moment. And it's a situation in which New York have won both fixtures this year. They have the double over Atlanta. So Atlanta could finish top and it may not be them going to the grand final at the moment. So what can we expect? Yeah. All right. Well, another Seattle kind of heartbreaker loss. And I got to say, if the Seattle team that we've seen since they've come when, since they've had their first home game, if we 
had that team at the beginning of the year, I think that they, we would have been in a much bit like a much different situation. Whatever setup they've got right now has been playing so well. It's just, they can't fin- figure out how to finish games off. Um, you also have to ask like what happened at the start of the season. Like why? Yeah. What, why, what, why wait until partway through the year? Yeah. So I think there, I we, we, Curry kind of touched on it and, and we've had conversations with guys that have been part of the organization I feel like it's just kind of chaos right now. Um, they managed to make it work because they had the right guys. They put out job postings for <laughs> for an assistant coach. Uh, that's that's yeah. So halfway through the season, yeah. Um, very yeah. interesting, very interesting situation there with their back office. But you know, again, like I kind of mentioned with Austin, is they've got the pros there. They've got the guys that have been in the trenches. You know, it's just. I think there's something that's missing. Maybe it's depth with proper front row players. You know, they've kind of leaned on a lot of inexperienced props this year. Um, if Phil Nicky and Sears Duro, and you know, they had, you yeah, know, they, they had Kellen Gordon, Tim Metcher, Sears Duro, and Jake Nicky for a long stretch of MLR's existence. That was the best prop depth in the league. Um, now with Kellen Gordon dealing with his, uh, you know, his family's uh, medical issues with their son. He has been unable to play this year. Um, so that's been kind of in a hole. And Sears Drew has been kind of injured and, and, and not, you know, it's depth this year has been such a huge problem for many teams. Um, I just, you know, it breaks my heart. They were like my, my first love. They were my first team I cheered for, for MLR and to see them kind of have so many problems this year hurts. And then they did so well. They, you know, they went into New England where not a lot, nobody's had any success and they almost did it. And then those crafty free jacks, whatever a free jack is, they managed to pull it off. Those, those whistler punks or those, those night watchers. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, uh, let me just get the name of the player because I'm going to, butcher well i'm gonna butcher his name regardless but um what was it akihito yamada that try which was the first try of the game that was beautiful to watch that scissor move that you know looked to be going to the wing and then it was straight under the post that was that was like oh this is the seattle we know and love this is the team that we've been wanting to see and, you know, for a team that defense was always labeled as the seawall, in the past couple of games, it's just not been able to hold. That's been and a it's, hole. And it's, and it's oh, yeah, there's oh, been no. a gaping hole in the seawall, yeah, and water that, is just uh, gushing through. <laughs> the sea the seawall's a net now. It's Yeah. Like, but, that, but that's the issue. At the very is least, that... the seawall's a chain-link fence. It's like... <laughs> It might stop something. Uh, There's still a lot of holes in it. It's like, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they use them a lot in backcountry roads. It's like they're like orange fencing that they use to stop yeah, 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 snow yeah. drifts. Yeah. That's Seattle's yeah, defense. Exactly. It's like, it stops something, but yeah. there's still a lot of holes in it. And you know, Josh Larson's continuing to have a strong season. He's just yeah. so damn tough. Um, and I, he's been one of those guys that kind of went into the World Cup and it was just like, well, yeah, he's. He's there. He had a little bit of time with Austin, and since it's been amazing this year, Cup, he, him, him, and Matt Heaton, I find, have benefited the most 
from MLR in terms of Canadian players. Yeah, yeah. them and guys like Quatrin that were able to play their way into yeah. the squad and stuff for sure. Um, yeah, last game to uh, LA Houston. Um, this is a pretty easy one to analyze. Um, LA is good, Houston's bad. The scoreline reflects that. Um, yeah. The only um, point of concern from a Canadian perspective was um, Corey Thomas's uh, departure from the field. Yes, yeah, and we'll we'll get into that uh, when we talk about Rugby Canada's traveling roster. Let's talk about some news before we get into uh, Canada's traveling roster because a couple of big announcements were kind of made uh, since we last recorded. Um, the biggest thing is going to be the one that we keep alluding to, but never. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, okay, so. Recently, um, the Minister of Sport and Recreation announced uh, Ontario's return to sports program, um, and then Rugby Ontario released their return to rugby program with step one of reopening. Um, Ten people max, three meters distance, shared ball only. For Rugby Ontario, it's a similar program to what they had last summer, um, but I think it's a little bit more accelerated in terms of the speed of which we can get back into things. Holy, I mean. I'm sick of being trapped in my house. Let's get back to being. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's start doing things. So it's that's exciting news. Um, Utah has announced their new kit. I believe was that was yesterday or today? Today because it's Wednesday. Yeah. Um, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love the powder blue. That 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 uh, video that they made at on the salt uh, sands or salt pits or salt salt flats. I don't think they actually call them the salt lakes. What are they? Salt salt flats. Salt flats. Okay, there you go. I love them. Salt Lake I is love them. Salt Lake is a city. Yeah, and they, they added uh, that cool little story about like um, what uh, like Iosepa is. Um, I didn't know any of that history of the Utah, um, the state of Utah or that region. So that was kind of cool to read up on. For the actual kit itself, it looks cool. Um, I don't like white on white numbers. This has to stop in, in Major League Rugby. This uh, that's Austin. my Austin. Utah. Austin's is bad. Aust- Austin's is really bad. Austin's was bad last year too. Yeah, like the white, the white on white. No, um, LA's is okay. I think the coloring mm-hmm. is just thicker. The blue, yeah, so, the blue's thicker. So LA's is kind of okay. Nola, I still think has that one jersey that it's like it's kind of hard to see on TV. The one that they actually wore against DC this past week because it has like the gold and white kind of gradient fading in and out. Um, and then like looking at this jersey, it's like, oh, it's a really light jersey with a white number and a light blue outline. Um, is there any chance but, you can play at night? So yeah. it's natural that, light on it. Too. It's like I think I think at this point we've all heard fan comments about like you know the commentary and stuff in the league, and it's like, well, yeah, like help them though. Like don't this get isn't them. gonna make it easier. Yeah, exactly. Don't oh, get oh there goes cruising. I mean, like uh whippy, oh, uh, yeah. oh god. Who yeah. is it? Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to judge the Utah jerseys on that until we actually see them in the game, see how well the number actually pops. Sure. Maybe it pops yeah. really well. So yeah. I don't. I, I've got to say the front of the jersey. At the front least, of the jersey is gorgeous. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it looks really cool. The powdered blue. The it white. reminds me a lot of like what Adidas has been putting out with their like recycled plastic jerseys with like yeah and clubs. Like yeah, now that you mentioned, like that they did for one of the um, Super Rugby Aotearoa teams. Like, like I think it was the, the Highlanders the had a similar jersey. Every, I just think every team should have to be like the Saber Cats, where it's like 
That is, it's distinct. It's like, yeah. Or Toronto. I, 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 most teams are actually pretty good for it, um, to be <laughs> it's honest. Just, it's, but it's just like, like, yeah. I, I just, especially Austin. Like, why don't you just have orange numbers? Imagine if you're the stat keeper. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> for, for those games. That'd be wild. Maybe, maybe they're easier to see in person. Maybe. But on TV, they don't pop very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my only concern with the Utah jersey is it seems to is that and i'm just like i don't know um but other than that it looks cool um i'll judge it when i actually see it in the game because i'm not not a fan of that that kind of number number styling and the number font make the numbers like even austin i like i love the idea of austin putting last names on the backs of the jerseys i think it's a good like marketing thing and stuff i think it's great um there's no point to it if you can't read the name on the back of the jersey though right why like so I, I don't get the white on white thing. Um, that's just me. Um, the rest of the kit looks unreal. So uh, I don't. Know. We'll see what it, we'll see what it yeah. looks like on uh, on Saturday, Sunday. When do they play? This weekend. I should have just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So big news. Um, the MLR draft is back uh, for the next year, um, and will be including Canadian colleges and universities. Whoa. Which is which is interesting. We had this discussion with with curry last week about yeah what is this why are we doing this what is the what is the 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 ideology behind the the draft is it just trying to make rugby american and if so why um but he made some really good points on on twitter as this was announced and the big worry for him and we've seen it be a pain in mlr side is uh Getting, visa getting visas yeah exactly getting guys into the league after they've been signed and I, i'm really thankful for michael smith to kind of um continue in the conversation and add his his story yeah. about how long it took for him to get his contract figured out and his visa all worked up and it is if they are going to expand this to the canadian college and universities they need to have this more streamlined and i know this is it's probably team by team basis the league office needs to make a better attempt at making this an easier process for these Canadian players. Because if, if they are going to possibly miss out on work opportunities um, because they're going to be either finishing, they might be coming out of their third year or fourth year university, and they might miss out on opportunities for their careers for the future. If you want them to come play rugby for you, make sure that they can get there on time. So they're not at a disadvantage. Yeah. That is that is going to be my biggest worry about this. We can talk about, you know, if anyone wants to go back, listen to what Curry had to say about his feelings about the draft and stuff like that. Some of it we I agree with, some of it I don't. Mm-hmm. That is going to be my biggest worry about this. Is if if you're going to take talent out of Canada, bring them to MLR and say, This is where we want you to play, make sure they're taken care of and that they actually have a place to sign and that they get there on time. Because that was it's been so frustrating seeing team, seeing players not get the chance to play because of the fact that the the visa issues were never done. Peter, Nel, uh, Peter Nelson was supposed to play. COVID kind of ruined that, but getting him a visa into into MLR as well was a huge problem as well. So it's he was a World Cup player, and and he had problems with his visa. Every every team has a story about at least one player that's had a visa to struggle in. So you know that that's a, that's a problem. Yeah. Work on it. So yeah, I, I think. But, I think from a league, though, the thing is, is it's like the way to work on it is you have to hit the revenue threshold, 
right? Yeah. For, for the government, for the Ameri- United States government, yeah. I know every other league gets around it. I know people. So people were kind of making that point, and they're like, "Well, how, how do the NHL? How do MLB? Oh, how do the NBA manage to do this?" It's like they, they have make way more money, billions um, of dollars. And yeah, you have to hit that, and like that, that's, you have to hit that revenue threshold, right? For um, the United States government, to make it, and it it would make it easier. Um, so it's like it's one of those things where I'm like. I, it is a problem, but I'm also not sure unless you hit like the guidelines that the United States government has, like you might be stuck with some of that. Obviously, yes. Um, the Canadian players, um, the visa is an issue. It used like, but we are also seeing more and more uncapped Canadian players on MLR teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously Michael Smith being one of them, he did, he did mention on Regan Twitter Hurst. how many, uh, like how it was difficult to get his visa, but Michael Smith, um, Frazier Hurst, um, Hildenbrand, Murray, um, you know, uh, Hank Stevenson, who else is uncapped? Gorman. Monem's uncapped. Um, right? Like you can, uh, Quinn Nawadi's uncapped. Um, obviously, a couple of these. Yeah, guys- but he's played professional rugby. I think that's part of one yeah, of the no, things no. that makes it easier. Yeah, but in a different sport, technically, too. Yeah. Um, Do you think the US government. Knows the difference. Know the difference. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> It'd be funny if like the one guy who worked on his visa was actually a league fan. Yeah, let him in. Um, but like that's that 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 is kind of what it is. Um, so visa process is that. Um, obviously, I think I like the 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 idea of Canadians being included is obviously great too. Um, it's uh, you know, obviously with all those guys that we did mention coming out of U Sports, um. Mm-hmm. Is that that they're, the American teams are interested in the Canadian players playing Canadian university rugby right now? So um, there's obviously that interest and stuff too. So um, that'll be good to see. Um, you know, it's um, uh, that'll be good to see. The, the crazy thing though, too, and it's going to be the same thing that's facing problems in a lot of other leagues, um, especially the NHL, um, is you haven't seen these guys play in a year. Yeah. for the most part yeah. so it's like a lot can change in a year this draft will like i know like there's some u.s college teams in pro there has been some u.s stuff, right? play, yeah um but like obviously major league rugby got rid of that rule and then they've changed it they've added three rounds um which you know which is also interesting um but um but i guess i mean i guess they had success with the two rounds right because i think it's like all but what two guys have mlr contracts and most most of them have played at least one game or something, so it's it's worked out. Um, so maybe they- I'm just curious as, as to why they went to three rounds when this would have been the worst year to do it. With- I, I think you're probably, you're probably just setting the table for what you want to do for the future. <sighs> the one thing though, I do think like to have the draft, it's right after the season, so it'd be August 19th, which is what two and a half Thurs- weeks? Thursday. Yeah, two and a half weeks after the season starts, which or season ends. Uh, which is good. I think. I think Major League Rugby. Like I think in that North American landscape, you do need to do off-season events. Need to be a, a thing. You have to have something in the off-season that keeps fans engaged. Draft is one way to do it. Um, you know, other other leagues too. Like um, free agency is a really big thing in a lot of other leagues. Most leagues usually kind of go with. There's one big day where they just um, like for the NHL. It's July first, right? Um, right where it's just like, yep, you look, turn on the TV on yeah. Canada Day. If you go on one channel, it's Canada Day celebrations. You go on the other 50% of channels, and it's all like Toronto just signed this guy, Dallas just signed this guy, 
where yeah. is so and so going? Who are the front runners to get this guy? Right. Day long, day long draft coverage. I'm not expecting day long coverage of like, but it's like turn do another do a day like that. Um, if Dallas, Dallas coming back in the league, if you do another expansion draft, make a big deal out of that. Um, you know, promote that, maybe broadcast that, make some sort of show about that. Um, if there is any other teams potentially joining, who knows? Um, but like, yeah, if there's if there has to be an expansion draft, make a big deal out of that too. Um, so yeah, keep up with these offseason events and stuff. And I think that goes a long way to building interest in the league while it's not happening. Yeah, like in the UK, um, in uh, Premier Premier League football or soccer, as it's known, yeah. um, there's uh, transfer deadlines, and the last yeah. day to do so is deadline day. And you mm-hmm. will have, um, not to the same extent as North America, but there will be like the deadline transfer window is 10 p.m. Yeah. on this day. And yeah. they'll have match of the day going at that time and saying like, well, these are the deadline these are the confirmed transfers we know and if we get any that were made just before the deadline we'll talk about them but yeah exactly yeah, it, it's con it's content and that's what yeah, uh, sure. maybe, that's, maybe we can get mlr the, virtual back yeah that's the most important part about the draft in my mind is it's an off-season event it's something to look forward to engage. that's right i listen i i like the idea of the draft i think that the features in the academies but again at the tops right now, it's three players that you're pulling from Canada, the U.S. I think that in the long run, the academies will not suffer if three guys are. Well, no, you draft. Well, drafted. like that'd be the thing that you could do, right? Like if you have it, you can draft guys and then do it. Like put them in the your academy. Just I know, but like again, if they're starting academies with guys that are like 15, 16 years old, you put them through your academy and then they get signed by like Noel Gold. Yeah, I think that, well, that or get drafted well, by them, right? Like so there might have to be like a draft exemption thing. Like, I think that's why they're going a star with, player with university collegiate athletes, though, and stuff. But but if you're both, right? Like if yeah. you're, well, that's the, that's, anyways, the that, that's a that's a discussion for another day. For another day, yeah. Um. So another big news is uh, the US USA Rugby has officially announced their bid for either the 2027, 2029, and the 2031 World Cups. Um. It looks like they're most likely suited for the 2031 World Cup. Uh, bids currently for the 2027 are Australia and Russia. Russia is kind of a yeah. I don't even want to get into that, but it Outside looks like chance. Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's a, there's a lot of things that are going on with Russia that we should not even think about going there. Uh, but the Australia bid seems to be the the one that's going to happen. Um, with the women's uh, World Cup set to begin in uh, uh, set to begin, or not the women's World Cup, the the women's 15s structure that they've set up set to begin in 2023, and the tournament to be expanded to 16 teams for 2025. My big question is with the rise of possibly the U.S. having um, hosting rights for 2031 is this going to be a huge jump for for rugby both men's and women's in the foreseeable future i mean if if rugby can if the rugby world cup can be in the u.s for 2031 and then you've got this new kind of setup in 2023 for the women's and then the tournament expanding 2025 the u.s has a strong women's program they've in canada's got a strong women's program if they do well next year 
and then have some success in the 2023 format that leads into the next World Cup. And then the men's has has the World Cup in 2031. That is setting up to be multiple years of success for North American squads, culminating in a possible World Cup that people will see at LA Coliseum, at you know, MetLife, at insert another I mean, soldier field in Chicago. Like the possibilities are endless. I think it's I, I think that again, if all the ducks get in a row and things happen right, I think this could be a really amazing time for not just US. I mean, Canada's gonna piggyback off the US's success. That's just yeah. <laughs> the bare bones of this is if if they succeed, we succeed. Yeah. I want to hear how you guys feel about this this announcement that they're they're looking to uh, make a bid for a World Cup. Well, it was good to see that like it finally be announced that they have you know the the United States is officially put in that bid. Um, I I mean Dan, I think I think you're right for the most part there. Like a World Cup in the United States would be massive for the growth of rugby in North America, both men's, women's, sevens, even right. Like to have, be able to have that high level of rugby the highest level of rugby um within you know the north american backyard here is um would be monumental for the sport um i like 2031 better personally because you kind of go from now um barring no more global pandemics or any nonsense like that you kind of give you have mlr kind of coming in right you get like a nice like knowing that it would be you'd get like a nice decade kind of build up to it um, but even, even at that, right, you get, could get a couple of like Olympics and stuff in there too. I think, you know, like it, it, I agree. Like if the United States and Canada start doing well, the sport will get more popular just based on like the success. And if they are proving to be kind of viable on TV, um, the Olympics will be an interesting thing too. Cause it's like, if obviously, especially for like the, the, you, you, the USA men's team, um, has a medal shot. Um, Canada maybe has a long dark horse shot. Um, they've won tournaments before, so who's to say they can't win one tournament in, you know, in July in Tokyo. Um, but, and then, but like both, both the men's and the, or both the women's teams for the USA and Canada are just metal threats and contenders constantly. Right. So, um, if they have success at the, at the Olympics, that could go a long way. The thought process, though, is like if that, like it's it's just one of those things that I find it is kind of up in the air still, Greg. Because it's like, how many Olympic sports do you watch, and then you forget about them for four years, and then when it comes back to the Olympics, you watch them again, no matter yeah. how good your country is, right? So I'll be interesting to see how the like the Olympics impact is on sevens. I think a World Cup, though, like hosting it is different. Because hosting it, like even like being in Toronto when we had the Pan Am games, it's like it's shoved in your face. Like you are very aware that there is a major sporting event happening in your city. Well, like um, uh, I, I have I work with a teacher who currently spent time overseas in Dubai. Yeah. And like Dubai Sevens was like it is something that yeah everybody goes to. It is just it is just a it, it's it's basically a festival. Like that's yeah. They're not rugby fans, but they know yeah, you go for the party, which is exactly. Um, but I think like 
I think if you hosted it, like it's gonna be like if you host it and say like I don't even know, I guess LA's hosting games and stuff, and then you have all of LA's decked out in like rugby world cup signs and whatever, right? It's like everybody in LA is gonna be aware that it's happening and you know, hopefully would want to go like check it, check it out. Um, so I think host hosting it, I think, is a different level than just having that kind of success at the Olympics or so. Um, but obviously that goes a long way. I think a big part of that too is you get a if you have 2031, you can get a decade run up of major league rugby, hopefully building and growing as a league over the next 10 years as well. Like I think like I don't I don't really see a negative of bidding on the World Cup. No. There's no negative to it. No. Um if you get to host it, like I mean yeah, Look what like, it did for Japan. I'm sure all of us will be like, "Sweet, we're all f- where are you know all of Canada's games? Let's get some tickets and let's go." Oh, I already told my wife. I'm like, yeah, like whatever city this happens, we're we're spending um, some time in the states. Yeah, I think like yeah. So I mean, that's that'll be a thing. And I, I, th- there's no North American rugby fan, regardless of which side of the borders you're on, that wouldn't be excited about the United States hosting a World Cup. Um. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fired up for it. I hope they get it. I hope they win. And I'm going to be at as many Canada games as possible. I've always wanted to see the All Blacks play live. I've never done that. So I'll probably try to give that a go at some point. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'd be fired up for it. So um, I hope I hope they get it, man. And I hope, uh, like, I, I don't see how hosting a World Cup could have any sort of possible negative impact. The other big thing, though, is LA's hosting the um, – the Olympics in 2028 too, right? Which will also be another major rugby tournament happening on, because you're going to have the rugby sevens, sevens mm-hmm. at the Olympics, right? Um, so you do that in LA, that could go a long way too. Um, so you're, you're kind of, at the very least over the next decade, if you've taken the Olympics into consideration and the World Cup, it's like hopefully we're looking at two like massive rugby events or massive. And then obviously, but I mean, the USA has to host the FIFA World Cup at some point too, right? 26. Jeez, man. But it has the infrastructure to do yeah. so. Now, that's the thing. is that they, have the, so, they have the infrastructure to do a rugby World Cup. There's like Exactly. That, that's the thing. Because stadiums in the United States of America. Because um, that's the thing is that in at the moment, the men's tournament has 20. Now, I know uh, opinions about Russia hosting. They said, uh, it's reported that in their bid they will host 24 teams as opposed to the 20 that Australia are hosting. And I think the U.S. could, you know, easily push and say, oh, you want 24? How about we have 32? How about we do, like, the same as, like, the current FIFA World Cup? I know when it goes to, <laughs> um, when it gets to 2026, it'll be 40 teams. That- but the point I'm making is that you can have that kind of tournament within... You can expand the tournament. As you said, the, the Women's World Cup is going to be expanded to 16 teams um, for 2025. And it may get to a case where for 2029, they say, how about we expand it to uh, 20 teams and do it the same as what the men's tournament's currently doing? Yeah. Because I think the bigger impact is going to be on women's rugby. Because if you've watched the Women's World Cups, um, both the because of um, the COVID situation, it's going to be limited to a few stadia in uh, New Zealand. But even in the 2017 World Cup in Ireland, those were 
you know, like double headers or triple headers at the same, essentially training ground. And it was only for the big final, they would go to like the King's home stadium or something like that. So a stadium that, you know, is big for rugby, but not the level of what you would say a world cup could be. Yeah. And in that regard is that, uh, I don't know if they have announced the host for 2025, but if you can expand to 16 teams, and even if you just keep it as 16 teams for 2029, you can be like, okay, we we have a country that has four time zones. So each pool is in a different time zone. Um, and then we'll have the top oh, two teams. We'll have like quarterfinals in each time zone. Yeah, the, the possibilities zone. are, are endless, it, especially with the size of the of the US. And you can cater, to, you can put certain teams in certain spots like, you can put like the European teams on the East Coast, make yeah. it a little bit easier. Put the the you, you know the the, no, the like, well the pools all teams right then. So you know, yeah, yeah, the pools. I guess so. Yeah, thing. but I mean, if I'm but, choosing but you to could, put you New Zealand mix somewhere, it I'm putting yeah. them in San in you LA. Do it though, and I know that England in, Cups, you do it like the NFL, where it's like you're going. There's a game at one. There's a game right after. There's a game right after. There's a game yeah, after, exactly. Yeah. A game right after. Anyways, we're, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole, guys, but. I, the possibilities are great because we got to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. And it's crazy because we've already talked about it so much. <laughs> Rugby Canada has announced a traveling roster for their two games in the UK. And, uh, 30, yeah. 32 spots have been filled. They're waiting on two injury reports. Um, Brian Ray has said that it's most likely um, Siaki Vikilani and uh, Corey Thomas. Which makes so much sense based on the actual roster. Yeah. After they, got they currently don't have an eight man. Like that's just kind of the bare bones of it. And <laughs> those two guys probably say, what's, what's your starting role. 15 right now? Because it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty easy. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sirius Duru, Howard, Keith, Keith Larson, Heaton, he- Rumble. <laughs> And then I here's the and thing. then you maybe say Michael Smith or Vicky Lani or Corey Thomas. That eight man spot is yeah, but, but we don't know if Vicky Lani, we haven't heard how bad the injury yeah. are, so they might not even go right. So based yeah, on they might they yeah. might grab someone like Travis Larson, or, yeah, or Luke Campbell. That's what I'm saying though. It's like based on the thirty guys right now, right? It's like you got from four to eight jersey, you got seven guys for five spots. So yeah. all of them are in the lineup. Technically, yeah. based on math, right? Like, if you were to go like Keys, Larson, Heaton, Rumball, Smith, that means you have Al Bornaz and O'Gorman on the bench, right? Or you change up that order. Yeah. But yeah, so they kind of need that. Um, um, 25 players from MLR, nine players from the Arrows, um, 11 uncapped players, which is which is interesting. Heaton, Lesage, and Rumble named tour captains. And the reason behind that is Captain. Tyler Ardron, Tyler Duguid, Evan Olmstead, and Matt Tierney listed as unavailable or injured. We know Matt Tierney is 100% injured. Evan Olmstead, he's probably still partying from his promotion uh, to the top 14. The Ardron not being there is sucks a lot, and it uh, that makes me really oh, upset. Well, but Duguid not being there is, I think, the number one that upsets me the most. Yeah, I think. I would agree with that completely. I think like Dugid's, you know, he's one of the young, like up and coming stars, yeah. prospects, right? So it's like that's that's an exciting player um, that kind of misses out. 
Um, but like Bailey, Boca Boom, Stevens, um, Nick Carson too. Um, that's that like it's man, it's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys out. And um, the depth of the roster kind of shows. Um, it sucks because most of them are all locks and back row guys too. So yeah, uh, the spot uh, that we the actually depth, the depth kind of shows a little bit in our depth. So you know, take take out Dugan and Olmstead from your locks. So much less. Okay, so the interesting thing that I found with this roster announcement too is it includes Regional Gorman and Lucas Albornoz, who were not initially included on the forty-man roster. Yep. But Cellini and Flesh were. So Cellini and Flesh got, I guess, straight up cut in favor of O'Gorman and Albornoz. And then the other guys that didn't make the team from the 40-man roster, from the 40-man roster that weren't included on the list of unavailable players um, was Kotze, Detroit, Provost, and O'Leary. So only like so one two three four five so six guys got straight up cut essentially, yeah. And or Gormanel Bornaz made the team ahead of Cellini and Flesh, who would also be locks that were initially. But they had they had Flesh as a loose forward. Okay, but he, internationally but they seem either way. So if you, he still plays locks, so if you needed him to do it, he could do he it. Could. Um. But so, but either way, either way, you cut that. O'Gorman and Albornoz are in. Cellini, Flesh, are out. Right. It's so like that. I thought that was an, like. How do we feel about about that decision there? I think I look at Travis Larson and Paul Cellini, and I I think they do two very similar things. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the game, uh, and I look at. Larson being a little bit more of a lineout threat. Like they use him a lot more in a lineout and Chiellini gets barely used. I think that when I look at those two guys, two big, strong tacklers, ruck arrivals are always kind of high for both of them. I'm going to go with Larson only because of the fact that he's more better in the lineout. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's better. It's just they he just gets used more with his team. My whole thing though is just it's like... It's been gotten more this year. I, I've noticed Chiellini in the lineout a lot more this year um my whole thing is is like albornoz is just like i think he's played well for houston like he's just it's one of those guys that's playing pretty well just on a really bad team um but like my whole thing is like he's 30 already and i'm just kind of like like i know like earlier to like earlier and this is nothing against lucas albornoz or anything but i was like when we were talking about this earlier i was like unless your name's like ardron or olmstead like i don't want anybody over 30 on the team and I'm kind of like, why, why bring in? Yeah, a- but our young stud lock can't play. Yeah, but you have you have Cellini, who you could probably get. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I would bring the younger guy. Is all I'm saying. Okay, yeah, so, I, I would say I'd pick Cellini. Or why is Adrian who would you? Okay, who would be considered? Dan, who, who would you rather have, Albornoz or Cellini? Cellini. Cellini. So so, so we're kind of the same reason they use us at age. Yeah, but but obviously, I don't current know. current uh, game like how. Albornis has played recently. Has yeah, no, Kirk, he's been playing. He's been playing very well. I just, yeah, I think, man, this this squad, this is going to be something, man. Playing England and Wales, it's going to be a, uh, oh, yeah. Um, and, and welcome, to the, like, welcome to the big time, boys. See, yeah. that is that is the one thing I kind I kind of do like about it, though. Like, I mean, who's to say who's ever said that like trial by fire can be fun? 
Um, I'm I, like I'm not a coach. I don't know the the best way to necessarily uh, develop players, but I honestly, I, like we it was we had this discussion on the podcast when we announced when yeah. we Roll. found out about these games, uh, and you and I had very different opinions on 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 this. Yeah, game. but that's what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, though, Dan, right? These are the matches that you have. So you have no other. You have if you want to see the young guys play, you have no other option right now. They're playing. That's the. I know, but my my argument then, and my argument now is Rugby Canada could have done, maybe could if have gone you, a different way. If you again, if, maybe maybe they couldn't have. We don't know what the, the situation yeah. is like. We we knew that this England game was going to happen no matter what. Like yeah. we knew we knew it, that that was part of some backdoor agreement with the election hey, with World Rugby. Smart. It's, but that's my point though. Like, if you're Kingsley Jones, it's like you got to look at that. It's like these are the games that I have. I need to see these players. So, I, like, so why could they not fight to get Tyler Duguid back? Is he? Is he I think is a top think, team. No, I've no. Well, it says, that's the that? thing. That's, that's the thing, though, right? Is it says, like, they, it really says injured or unavailable. So it's like, and I mean, like, if you're Kingsley Jones, it's like if you don't have access to the guys for whatever reason, then like your hands are tied. I guess I don't know. Um, like, what are you gonna do? Maybe <laughs> I, I, I just don't like that answer. I don't like the. Uh, you're you're a you are a national coach. You but it depends. I guess the question like if you're, if you're injured though, what do you? If he's injured, that's fine. Yeah, if they're all injured, but he he played up until. Like, it's a weird. Are you just saying it's a weird coincidence that it is a very weird all coincidence? Guys, all the French pros. Yeah, are- it is a very weird coincidence. Well, this is the way I see it: is that because when it comes to the qualification games against the USA these French teams, by world rugby law, have to release those players at the time. Yeah. And this is the thing, is that the, because of the top 14 season, like the they're having like the semifinals or the finals in the next few weekends or yeah, so. Yeah, but none of their teams but, are... Uh, yeah, none of the teams. But that's the thing, is that this is the only rest period that they get because the preseason will begin from like the start of August as well. And they know... And they Kingsley Jones and the entire backroom staff know that if they were to use, like select Ardron or anyone who isn't um, injured, and something happens to them now, they are screwed. Come okay, September. I, I will. I will say. I will. I, I will go with what you're saying, uh, Stu. I understand that for maybe Tyler Ardron. No, but, but at the same time, he's already a known commodity. They know what they're getting with Ardron. Same thing with Evan Olmstead. Barretts already knows what they're getting out of Olmstead. It would make sense for for Duguid because you want to give him as many opportunities to show that he can start or be in your your senior team. Right. I think but for the older guys, they're yeah. professionals. Other guys are going to go play for their their countries. Yeah. Or Betta or Betta from Castres is going to play for Argentina. In all honesty, though, Dan, like, and I know I said this when they announced the forty man squad. I'm not too upset about them not plan to be honest because i think this is the stage that rugby canada is in is kind of about the future and i'm like tyler Ardron doesn't need to prove anything to me yeah whatever he's on the team i don't want him to prove things no, i want no, him to I teach i want him to coach i want him i want tyler Ardron to be there for when they inevitably have a rough 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 game against england and wales win or lose he's going to be there to pick up the young guys and go yeah. all right guys that is your first taste Oh yeah, uh, we've got many more to come. Um, but yeah, like, but I think, like, I think that's going to be the thing, though. Is it's like, 
I think with with this with this squad, and I mean, just well, trial by fire. Like you just you have to do it at this point. Um, if not, if these guys aren't available, right? If they're not available for whatever reason, they're not available. So it is what it is, I guess. Um, but you know, injuries and the the weird thing, the thing that's weird to me is it's like the the reports like injuries and unavailable. It's what it says, right? So that's kind of like where like the weirdness comes in. Yeah, yeah. I would rather them just. I would just like to know who is injured. Yeah, and while all I know is Matt Tierney's injured. That's a thing. That's it. I mean, that's a thing that's goes across rugby, though. Is you know, injury stuff. Um, but I think, like, looking at this man, like, I think you do. I think, like, let's assume that it's Corey Thomas and Siaki Vikilani. Mm-hmm. That would be the other two guys, mm-hmm. just for the sake of argument. I think. Kind of looking at this, I would have like I think you get Roland in to start. I I would start Roland. I would give him Sears Duru at the loose head side just to balance it out with a vet. Um, maybe put I like you could probably put Howard or Quatra in there. Maybe go Quatra in just because Roland would be used to him, but try to get him somebody. Um, and then you know same thing. Like I would put like I, I would put do it. In, in a lineup, get him in the game, but maybe maybe have maybe have him on the bench, maybe give him like Keith and Ill Nicky as his props also on the bench. Let some like vet guys kind of take that. Um, kind of already mentioned that based on this, like if it if it is Thomas and Vicilani that are the outstanding two guys, yeah, um, it kind of opens up a little bit more. Right now, you don't really have much of a choice as to who you start from four to eight. Um, but if you have Vicilani there, maybe give give Vicilani a run at starting at eight if he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? You could put in Tom. Maybe Thomas would, could be a good guy to come off the bench. Um, and right. Switch it up for the next game. Yeah, exactly. You go Heat and Rumball, Vicilani in the back row. And then, you know what I mean? You could, and then you probably still go with like Keys Larson up uh, in the engine room there. Um, halfbacks are interesting. Um, Priscilla starts. That is the one yeah. position on the team that I'm like, this is not debatable. Priscilla starts. Um, yeah, as 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 strong of a season Ross Brody's had. Yeah, no, Priscilla Priscilla yeah, is having a strong season in the top fourteen. Then, um, <laughs> yeah, start him. Um, he's starting in the top fourteen. Um, fly half. I go. I say Will Kelly. Dan, Stu, and who's kicker? And who's kicker? Yeah. Kept. Kelly, yeah, but no, nothing, Kelly. nothing has convinced me so far that he is. Who, who do you have kicking? I that's a like yeah. that's that's the thing. I I'd rather just I'm more score. confident tries under Nelson the pose and, automatic <laughs> seven pointers. Tries, tries uh, yeah. I'm more confident in Peter Nelson and Jones. Do you have do you have Jones? Do you put Jones at center? No, I am not putting Jones in the no, lineup. No, you didn't you didn't get faith in Jones. Oh. Uh-uh. Uh, you got, no, I, I've I, I've got I've got Priscilla. You know who kicks? Does Priscilla 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 yeah, kicks there we for go. the Fuck under twenties? So all right, Priscilla. There you go. And we'll, there you go. If there's a guy that can kick, so Kelly still yeah. starts. I I still say Kelly. Um, who, so who do you guys want? Who do you guys want as your ten then? Is that uh, this is the biggest position debate I think on the team right now? Between Povey and uh, Povey Nelson. Kelly, Kelly Nelson is really who you got. Nelson. Maybe maybe Parfit. Uh, I think you do the first game, Nelson, and then you do the second game, give Kelly Wills. But I think you start with Nelson. 
Okay, so you would go Nelson. Yeah, I, I. You know what? Uh, that's fair. I'm on that. I think you start. You give everybody. I think you got to give everybody time. I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I'm in that mindset. If we're gonna give, if we're gonna have a guy who is. Yeah. Uh, a, a one game. rookie nine. I'm giving the the jersey again. He hasn't played as much fly half as I've hoped, but I'm going to give the guy who's played pro fourteen. I spent some time overseas. Yeah, I mean, rookie nine, but he's a pro 14 player. Like, it's – I I would be fine with – Playing against England, though. I think there's a difference between playing Brody, against some of the top 14 teams. Brody and Hurst. Honestly, I would probably go – because I think Priscilla, Priscilla is an interesting – Priscilla is the only guy that I'm kind of like, play them, start them both games, and then give Brody and Hurst, rotate them. Each a game. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's Back fine. Um, uh, centers. Nawadi – and Lesage. Yeah. That's yeah, the only no, way I no, see no it. question. Yeah. There's no question there. Uh, as as happy as I as I've been with how Spencer Jones has played. Oh, when apparently Nawadi, happy with how he played this past week. Well, he didn't need to it's fine. Nice Whatever. try assist though. With Ben Yeah, yep. with Ben Lesage, they've got good chemistry, but I I think that you are insane by not having Quinn Nawadi start. His Nawadi, size, Nawadi, his his passing ability. <sighs> At the same time, though, I'm still like, and I think I think he complements Lesage really well. I think you also yeah. find a way to get Jones and Kratz playing time during this, though. So give them each a bench spot. Each we, we kind of said that already with the with the backups from house. Getting a bench spot in one of the games. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Each one of them gets a gets a turn. Yeah. Um, wing. Uh, just a second. I got to look at the lineup now. Now you're uh, Cole Davis. Cole Davis and Doug Fraser. Doug Fraser, Kanoa Lloyd, Isaac Olson. No. Yeah, I'd say Cole, Cole and Davis Doug. And Doug. I say Davis and Olson. Just so you guys see the young guys, is that what you're going for? I'm up there. Why not? And then I would do that and I'd put Fraser on the bench because he can cover center and wing. Okay. That, yeah. That's fair. And uh, who are we saying is uh, fullback? Well, you either got Povey in oh, yeah. our situation. We either got Povey or we've got um, Pat Parfrey. You can put Nelson there, I guess, if you didn't say Nelson enough. Fly out. Yeah, I I think I'm I gonna go Nelson. You can play Nelson. I'm gonna go with Povey. Um, I like I like Parfrey being a impact sub. He can literally play anywhere. I'll I'll put I'll put Parfrey on the bench and I'll I'll start Povey. He's got a cannon of a of a kick. Yeah, I want that in this. Movie does have a cannon. Uh, I think I, I think I think Parfrey's just a little bit steadier back there, so I'd probably go with him, especially since I'm putting like Olsen and Davis and Nawadi, and so I mean, got to balance it out with a bit more of a vet, World Cup vet, I guess. That's my That's kind fair. of. Povey would be on the bench. I would yeah. I would have Brody Fraser Povey on the bench based on the line, and then I guess maybe figure out a way to work in Jones and Kratz or maybe, yeah, figure out a way to work them in at some point. Cause I think you gotta, I think you gotta play everybody at some point during yeah. these two games. Just to yeah. see. What uh, you, uh, I uh, just, to me, to me, unless, unless either Lesage or Nawadi gets hurt, that is going to be your future center pairing. Yes. We have not had a consistent center pairing in Canada for like a good period of time. It's been this rotating kind of, Crazy show with Hearns, Blevins, Lesage, and um, sometimes Connor Trainer. Yeah. Like it's just been kind of this crazy, this mess. Sometimes Doug, Doug Fraser. So I, 
I want consistency in my in my center pairing. So I, I sorry, sorry, uh, Lesage or Kratz, but I don't think one of them will get into a game. I, I don't know. What's your What's your expectations for this team going in this international test? Wales and some scrums, score one try, have just have some fun, have, have some fun. fun. Have some fun. Yeah. Don't get if, if the game can look like the South African game compared to the New Zealand game, I'll be a little bit happier because they had a little bit of a run near the end of that that South African game. Yeah. I would be happy if that was what it looked like compared it's to the New Zealand it's game. It's definitely tough seeing, like, again, like the list of players that are unavailable is pretty staggering, right? Like, oh, it hurts it, my soul so much. I was so hard, excited for Tyler Dugan, really, Bukaboom Campbell. Carson, Duguid, Olmstead, Stevens, Tierney. Like, it's it's a lot of talent to play, especially Ardron, Bailey, Bokaboom, Tierney, Olmstead. Tierney, Tierney Those are the ones really that... hurts too. This was this was this really this World Cup window was Tierney's chance to be they all hurt. They all hurt. Um but this was his chance because he was kind of in and out of the starting lineup leaning up to to the 2019 World Cup. This was his chance. He's been in the top 14. He's been on the bench. He's been starting in some games for um I always get their name on Castros, Castros, Castros. Castros. He had a chance to anchor down that number 3 jersey and it's been due to this 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 injury really been taken away from it. It's a disappointment. I hope he rests up so that way when we get to those qualifiers against the U.S., he is spick and span because he's going to be a big part of that that future. Yeah. How old is he? He's he's not... And he's like 24, I think. Yeah, like him and Keith are like the, the, the same age. So like he's got tons of time to develop and, and be a big part of Canada's pack. So, all right, guys. Well, we got we to gotta finish up. So let's keep moving um thank you uh toronto arrows for announcing this before we recorded um the toronto arrows have made some uh some signings um ollie not flanker uh he was part of the rhinos he's been training with them recently um but he was part of the the rhinos rugby team at the world tens um was playing prop for them there uh really impressed me i liked what i saw from him he's been part uh he's got two caps i believe with Canada was part of their new twenties. Um, going to be some cover for them with, with Rumball leaving and, and Deanna leaving. So, you know, good to have him. Joe Tomlinson, same thing. The, 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 the hooker depth with the arrows with Steven Ng not being able to play this year has been hit. So it's good to have another hooker. He's got a really interesting story. Um, you know, had a really pro, uh, you know, a really uh, great semi-pro uh, amateur um, career in in Wales, um, and never really got that chance to play pro. And then, kind of just on a whim, right before the pandemic started, moved to Canada with his partner and got working visas. And then, you know, sometimes life just kind of brings you on these twisty, turny journeys. And now he's going to be joining his first pro team. So, congrats, Joe. That's exciting. And boys, the big one, Sammy Malcolm is. Back. He is back. The all-time uh, points leader for the Arrows is back in the blue and white. This is exciting. Now, before we get into what this means, I want to talk about what this means for another player. Juan Cruz Gonzalez was kind of this, this guy that everyone was talking about. 
Earful of Dirt talked about him. Um, the Rugby Rant talked about him when they did their season previews. This was a guy to watch. We haven't seen him at all. And I I, I don't know what the, the, the situation is, but it seems that they're now bringing in a fly half fullback when we had one signed. So do you guys know any more about this situation? Because it seems like a very strange... It's like we have... It's like that that classic mom thing. It's like we've got a perfectly good fly half fullback at home. Why would I go to McDonald's and get another one for you? <laughs> I mean, Gonzalez just he didn't make. I guess didn't make. I guess in a way, I guess he didn't make the team. Um, as far as like the the group to travel to Atlanta initially, and yeah. you know, um, not really sure what he's been up to since then, um, but. I'd rather have Sam Malcolm than him, anyways. Oh, for sure. It's, but yeah. like, it's if you have if Sam Malcolm wants is coming back, then I, I'd rather have that. We do have Sam Malcolm back, which I think one. Yeah. Oh. How cool yeah. is obviously? Um, it's one of the most popular players in Arrow's history. Um, yeah. So like, you, you, you only non-Canadian. If, if he wants to come back, you're taking him back. It doesn't. I mean, doesn't matter who else is on on the roster. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to end the Juan Cruz Gonzalez conversation. Um, and that's fair. I, I that's that's fine. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, and but I, I think like it's interesting. So I, I know I talked I talked to Sam um, after he signed um, with the Sea Waves, and you know he he said that you know we were kind of talking. He was you know doing I guess like the PR thing, like you know thanking the club and all the fans and all that, and then he ended it with "Who says I won't be back?" And that was you know back in June 2020. So it is now just under a year later and he's back um which is I think which is which is incredibly exciting. Um you probably obviously you have Parfrey leaving so uh Parfrey and Kelly leaving but you also have Adam so natural so it seems like the option he's probably going to play full back. Um yeah. you need the reinforcements with so many guys going to Canada and then the three guys going to Uruguay as well. So you know, the signing makes a ton of sense. I think it's awesome just with just like we kind of talked about it, I guess, earlier, just how like I guess mentally taxing the year has been. And, you know, even for the fans, it's like, you know, it's awesome to see like a fan favorite legendary player like Malcolm return. And, you know, it's we can debate whether it's, you know, maybe maybe too little too late as far as the reinforcements coming in the season, um, given where the arrows are in the standings. But you know, it's it's still incredibly exciting to have Sam yeah. come back. I think it's a great message to the team, seeing yeah. that we know that we know that you guys have gone through a lot. Let's bring back a guy that you guys were yeah. fought through the ten- trenches yeah. for a year and a quarter. Yeah. So the interesting thing with this too is it's like, you know, Malcolm is also used to also one of the few players that has captained the arrows. Yeah. And you have Rumble and Lesage. Leaving, leaving. Um, so the two co-captains are gone. Now, I guess my question would be: Would you give Malcolm no. like a no, captain? No. I think there's no. guys that are like, you a guy guys like Mike Shepard. Yeah, I was gonna say right. It's like you would give it give it to a guy that's been there the whole. That's year. been there the whole. Yeah. Th- Della Vega. Yeah, I was just saying, so who would yeah. be now? I guess now that we kind of on it, who would be like your cap? I guess your if Lesage and Rumble are gone, you know, acting acting captain, yeah, Della Vega. Yeah, I was okay. Yeah, Della Vega. Um, I would I would say Della Vega too. Shepard, obviously in contention there, the OG Arrows captain, captain, yeah, from the Ontario Arrows days. Um, but yeah, like I think though it's it's nice to just you add 
a guy of that character to the locker room too, um, which is great. And it's really cool to kind of see like some of the articles too about like Tomlinson calling him like the best non the best non professional player in Wales, which is like that's a cool that's a cool thing to be praised on. I mean, yeah. I don't know what would you rather be the best non no, or I guess the, the best non-professional player or a professional player. Um, but, you know. You've forgotten about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, that's super cool. And obviously, like you said, like he moved to Canada. He's playing for Burnaby Lake in the uh, Premier League out there. So, you know, it's uh, like that. that's a probably, you know, a, a good connection to have. And obviously with Quatrain gone, Ng's been hurt all season. So you're down to McRogers. So you need a hooker. So the signing makes complete 100% sense. Um, and, you know, you can bring in a guy that played, uh, you know, that I guess, you know, at least is basically as good as you can be without turning, without playing for, yeah. you know, a top 14 team or a pro 14 team in Wales. So yeah. um, that's, you know, I, uh, I'm i excited to see what he does. Only not to, I think, you know, he's been capped, um, looked good at the, uh, the Bermuda 10s. Um, I guess was training with them still. So, um, you know, he's been previously capped you Vic guy. Um, and uh, so like, it's, it's exciting to see all of the, the reinforcements kind of come in um, might be too little too late, but it'll definitely make for a fun end of the season. Hopefully sure. Malcolm can, can get his first MLR try. Still, we're still waiting. Yeah. On still waiting on that one. Well, well now he's got well, the opportunity. Well, that's the thing because uh, in 2020 you had, both um, Taylor Adams and Sammy Malcolm are doing like different kicking duties. And they were basically both kingmakers mm. um, for the 2020 hours team. Now, I'm not saying it's obviously going to be exactly the same situation when they uh, hopefully pair up again in uh, any of the remaining games. But that was, that was something that I was annoyed that we didn't get to see um, more of. And now I do, so I'm pretty chuffed about that. But um, yeah, obviously Malcolm's experience, his um, ability to handle pressure as well, and heart of a lion. Yeah, lion heart, absolutely. Yeah. It's probably, in all honesty, this is probably based on the way the season has gone. Probably the most exciting thing that has happened since like week seven. So possibly, yeah. yeah. But, you know, and um, these other guys as well. I mean, obviously, the Joe Tomlinson story is fantastic. And yeah. it's finally coming to pass. And because he, he mentioned uh, for Wales Online that he had to make a deadline choice if he didn't have a pro contract in front of him by a certain time, he was going to go to Canada. And now he's come to Canada and he's got his pro contract. So uh, I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, we got to finish up with some stuff. Uh, again, the arrows also announced that there will be some additional signings in the coming days. So excited to see if uh, who who else is over the hill um, to help them kind of finish off the season. Um, the arrows got their game in Nola. We don't really have a whole lot of time to talk about it, guys. Do or die. They've never beaten Nola before. What a what a, what a weekend to do it then. I think yeah, that's all like, uh, we can really say about that. No was in the thick of a playoff race too, and like I like I said when we were talking about it earlier, let's go uh, let's be jerks, ruin someone's year. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's kind of tough 
schedule to end their season with two with all the road games that they have to play because they had the really home heavy first half of the schedule so they got quite the road trip yeah. themselves um so yeah to be honest i would rather the free jacks give her a go than nola so i want i want to win this game yeah yeah exactly like it's man if not for our own playoff hopes yeah exactly. sam malcolm <laughs> come back kick a team to death again <sighs> drop all goal right. to win yeah let's talk about our predictions guys because we got to finish off this this episode so First, i actually have something for you on this Ooh. um because as you did mention uh mr curry hitchborn did have perfect predictions so he sent me a message that says as much as you might not like it um that he wants to attempt to defend his title Listen, Curry has also sent me his picks for this week. (laughs) As we go through this here, I will give you Curry's picks. Here, just give me a second. Let me let me add a. uh... Oh, you gotta add the column. Curry's gonna add a column for him. There you go, Curry. All right. right. He didn't. He didn't give me any. Dude, what are you doing? He's getting ahead of you. Killing me. All right, New York versus Utah. This is going to be two different styles. High flying Utah versus we are going to rub your face in the cement and hope you survive. Who are you picking for this game? New York is the home team. Man, that's tough. Um, I'm going with New York. I will I will break the silence and say I'm going with New York. I was gonna say New York being the home team and how much the West has struggled against the East, especially coming east. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I gotta go. I gotta lean Rooney. I think. Okay. Who did Curry pick? Curry also picked Rooney. Nice. Still, I'm gonna pick Rooney as well. I okay. think having home advantage has been great for them, unless they're playing See, Toronto. That, that feels. And what's the Tooney got? The Tooney better pick Utah. Okay, Tooney. Okay, once again for listeners and new viewers, heads for home, tails for away. So. It is going for Utah. Utah, nice. At least somebody's going for Utah. I feel like I'm going to... Re- yeah, at least someone's going for Utah. Okay. Toronto versus I like- Nola. I... I'm going to... I'm going Toronto. Yeah, still keep... I'm going game. Toronto as well. Easier. Who did Curry pick? Curry went with Toronto too. Ooh-hoo-hoo. All right. Right. Still. Now, this is the thing. Because we said... <laughs> Let me explain. Because <laughs> we've selected New York to win, and I'm gonna head gonna go ahead and guess we're gonna say that Houston aren't gonna beat Atlanta. That means that they will eliminate Toronto from playoff contention, regardless of the result. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say Nola, so that if they are eliminated and they do lose this game, I at least get something out of this. All right, all right, okay. The Toonie. Always one guy. Traitor. Toronto. See, even the Tooney knows still. Wow. Yeah, the Tooney picks okay, Utah. I, so. I'm just going to put uh, – we uh, roll, flip the Tooney because I, <laughs> if anyone's not picking ATL, then you're a fool and – like, <laughs> it, you're a coward. picked Houston. Oh, <laughs> All right, well, you know what? This is it's a, it's a trap game now. Yeah. It's a trap game. That's fun. All right. All right. This is a big one, guys. So, so the last time that these two teams played, it was it was not a good look for San Diego. But that was a different San Diego. This is a tougher San Diego. They got Rob Shaw. They got Michael Smith. 
Are they? They it, got Joe Peterson. It's they, in San Diego. I was gonna say, are they? Ba- they're back in Torero too. Right? Back in Torero. Yeah. It is going to mm-hmm. be a huge matchup if San Diego wants to uh, continue to push for a playoff spot. Who are you guys picking? San Diego. Are picking LA. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay. LA. Stu, you're saying San Diego. Yeah. Ooh. I like it. I like it. Um. I'm going to say San Diego. Michael Smith has three breakdown steals. I don't even know if he's starting, but I'm just going to say. Yeah, I'm picking LA. That's fair. That'd be a good game. That didn't flip, so. San Diego. It goes San Diego, LA, San Diego, LA, San Diego. Symmetry. Oh, man. I'm in. um, I feel like I want to see how fired up they are actually being at home. I think that's going to, I think that gives you, that's an X factor. I think it's, it's going to be even more disappointing when they lose. All right. Last game of the weekend Seattle at home against Austin. I mean, why, Austin. why are you betting? Why are you picking for Seattle? Like, why would you ever do it? Austin? AG. Curry picked Austin. Curry picked Austin. I'm picking Austin as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm picking Austin as well. See, even you know what's bad when even Dan's like, oh yeah, fine. I can't I'm not picking Seattle anymore. And the Tooney also picked Austin. The Toonie all see even Uh, you know what? I typed it in as they they picked Austin anyway. So look at that. I was gonna say, yeah, the the Toonie is even like, oh Seattle, no, not happening. All right, boys. Well, that is all I've got for this episode. We talked a lot about a, a lot of different things. Um Fans, if you want to listen to more of our podcasts, episodes, our previous interviews, last ep- last week was a great interview with Curry Hitchborn. We got lots of other interviews with people like, uh, oh boy, DTH Vandermerver. Uh, we've got, you know, um, Andrew Ferguson was a great little interview that we did before this season. Um, Jeff Hassler was on two different episodes because he we want to talk to him so much. You know, we Jamie Cubmore was a great interview as well. Take the time to listen to some of these interviews that we've had because they've really talked about how much passion they have for rugby. And we want to spread that passion to you guys. On all of our platforms, uh, you can find our information, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on all platforms for podcasts and also on YouTube if you want to see our lovely faces in person. Guys, big weekend. Actually, I'm not even going to be able to watch this game, which is a real bummer because I'm going to be at a a tiny home that's going to be like in the boonies so i'm not gonna have any why? service it's my anniversary i got i i'm i need to go relax somewhere with my wife why before another before we have another child because you get so few when you become a parent you get so few opportunities just to do something with your spouse especially in a pandemic where it's not so easy just to have your your grandparents come and pick up the kids so we're taking this opportunity to go and enjoy. better than just schedule anniversaries and things during the rugby season <laughs> When I got married, was there MLR? Doesn't matter. You should know. You should know better. No, there wasn't. I don't it think there was yet. Is it your anniversary during the Stanley Cup, Derek? Uh, yeah, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't miss a game. I haven't missed Arrow's game for it. So properly scheduled. Schedule. All right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'll have lots to do when I come home on Sunday. <laughs>